Good morning. You can sit. I'll allow it. Um, he is risen. Try that again. He is risen. He has risen. And he is risen indeed. That's what we have. That's what we celebrate today. You know, one of the things, because he is risen and he is risen indeed, we can actually go before him and realize that we have forgiveness. Is this working? Hello. Hello. Sounds like it's working. My bad. Okay. So i uh, just like to open us up with uh, this scripture, and then we're going to pray. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Praise God that he is risen. Praise God that he, our, uh, the captain of our salvation, was made perfect through suffering. Praise God. Listen, I did not grow up in the church like you guys did. I didn't, I didn't have uh, all of the facts. All I know is Jesus died for the sins of the world. The problem was I did not know he died for mine. And that connection's got to be made. This is why we preach the gospel. This is why we preach the whole counsel of God. Because there is salvation in no one else except through Christ Jesus. That is the truth. So today we're going to be in Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 verses 1 through 12. And so what we're going to do, if you're able to stand and read the word of God, Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness that we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with griefs. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before the shearers is dumb and he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and the ju and judgment from judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people was stricken. He was made uh, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in him. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he had put him to grief. And when thou shalt make an offering, uh, his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will, will I divide with him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Father, will you please bless the reading of your word? Now, Lord God, will you bless the preaching of your word? Because, Lord God, I have nothing else to offer. 
but Lord God, what you've given us. So would you please today, would you minister to our hearts? For those that know you, Lord God, this would encourage and embolden them and strengthen them to press on in their call to preach Christ and him crucified, to share the gospel with those that are in desperate need of it. But Lord God, we must remember as well that we are in desperate need of the gospel ourselves to sustain us. So I ask that you would have your way. Be exalted, O God. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Isaiah wrote this passage in Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 12, for the purpose of showing uh, us who this arm of the Lord will be and uh, what his arm will do and what uh, it is, this, this arm of God will be forsaken of God. And today you will see that you need to believe in the arm of God. It is Christ Jesus. He is the mighty right hand of God who took your place and he can free you from sin because the Father has punished his Son on your behalf. So that is hope. So trust in his arm. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who hath believed the report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Isaiah is writing about this suffering servant. He's writing about this Christ who is to come, to die, to take the place of sinners. He is writing to to. The one who, uh, about this one who is to come, who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who will believe our report? First thing, who will believe that report? The prophets had been prophesying for generations. Who had believed the report? It was, it seems to be relatively few. Even God's own people didn't catch it. And so, Isaiah is writing this. He is saying that this is because not only has God revealed it to him, but God has been revealing it since the foundation of the world. <coughs> Every prophet has been pointing to this Christ. Every prophet has been pointing to Jesus. Every prophet has been proclaiming the good news from the beginning. The promise of this arm, this salvation, was comes really early in Genesis 3.15. It says, and I will put enmity between uh, you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Uh, and then it says, "It shall bruise thy head, and you shall bruise, uh, and thou shalt bruise his heel." Okay, this this suffering servant has defeated death, has defeated sin. This is an amen moment. And so, Nehemiah chapter one. Verse uh, 10 says, These are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and thy strong hand. Notice the pointing to the strong hand, to the strong arm of God. God promises in the curse to the serpent, back in that Genesis 3, uh, 15 passage, that the salvation would come. Guys, it's in the curse to the serpent that we have hope of this coming Savior. This one who would defeat death with his strong arm. His power causes plagues to come on the Egyptians, causes the waters of the Red Sea to stand up in heaps so that these people could walk through on dry land. Deuteronomy 26, 8 says this. It says, And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, listen, and with outstretched arm. There's a reason. How do we know? Well, Jesus stretched out his arms and he died so this is 
amazing. And so, with, and then the verse continues, says, with great terribleness and with signs, with wonders, he redeemed his people with an outstretched hand. Or Psalm 138, verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of my enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. Guys, in God's mighty right hand, there are two things. He has judgment and salvation. <coughs> Think about that. Judgment and salvation in his mighty right hand. So who is this mighty right hand of God? Okay, guys, I know I've already let the cat out of the bag. And it is Jesus. It is Christ Jesus. The Redeemer is Christ. The Anointed One of God. The Chosen One. The Messiah. The One who was to come. He has redeemed them from the land of Egypt. These Jewish people from the land of Egypt brought them into the promised land. And through Christ, he does the same for us. That promised land is coming. There is a day where we will get to go and be with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. And to stand before him in his presence if we are in Christ. In Christ alone. Through the blood of Christ, this plague of sin, this punishment is done away with. Like the Passover lamb, when, when they put the, door, uh, the blood on the doorpost of their homes, the angel of death would pass over it. And during this Passover season, what happens is when we're trusting Christ, think about it. The blood of Christ is put over the doorpost of our hearts. And he, this death, passes over us. And we have life eternal. Christ is the mighty right hand of God, the mighty right arm of God. Do you believe this? Look at Isaiah 53 too. And he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He had no form, no comeliness that we should esteem him. There's no beauty that we should desire him. Uh, and so he will grow up as a tender plant, this root out of dry ground. And it wasn't dry ground because the people did not want God. But yet this Christ comes in a dry land. He comes as not a king, but a servant. <coughs> he was not richly appareled, he, that people would, uh, would, would respect him. He didn't have all the pomp and circumstance. He was just Christ, the suffering servant. And he comes in lowly riding on a donkey. By the way, that is fulfilling scripture. He comes in peace the first time. Zechariah 9, 9 tells us. And Zechariah 9, 10 says, next time he's coming on a horse. Because he's coming to really control and rule. Because he is the king of glory. Okay? So he's not much to look at. Look at Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. He is despised. Another word for despised is he was hated. He was hated. Think of the exchanges between Christ and the Pharisees. They hated him. Because he was stealing their thunder. They were the authorities, and now this guy is speaking with more authority than they ever had. <coughs> Pardon. Okay, he was a man of sorrows. He knew sorrow well. He was acquainted with grief. He knew it well. Guys, why was he acquainted with sorrow and grief? It's because he took on our sorrows and griefs, which we'll get to in a moment. But I want you to listen to this passage in Isaiah 59 2. 
but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. That is a dark statement. Your sins have separated you. It's hidden his face from you. He cannot, he does not hear. But listen, he does not hear, but yet the verse before it, it says his hand is not too short that he cannot save, nor is ear too heavy he cannot hear. Because God saves his people. He's not trying to save. He's not thinking about saving. He actually saves. Oh, that moment when I realized that all I had to do is to repent of my sin and trust Christ. Oh, the joy, the feeling that came. And it overwhelmed my soul. I was so excited. I went home and woke up my wife and said, I accepted Jesus in my heart. She goes, that's nice. And went back to bed. But guys... God radically moved in my heart. You know, everyone wants the supernatural gifts. But guys, salvation is a supernatural gift. That he saves any of us is a miracle of God. Sorry, maybe I'm going too far. So our sins have hidden his face. Due to the fact that he was a man of sorrows and of grief, we hid our faces from him. But watch what happens in 4. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. What did he do? He bore our griefs. He bore our pains, our hurts. Guys, he did it. He is the one who takes on our burden. For our burden is heavy, but his is light. Remember, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for weary souls. So Jesus, this mighty right arm of God, mighty right hand of God, really does bear our burdens. But not only did he bear our griefs and our pains, but he, he bore the penalty of sin. The wage of sin. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. He was at all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Does that not boggle your mind a little bit? He was tempted in every way like we are. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know how far that goes. All I know is I have someone who actually understands. He understands and he took those burdens, took those griefs, took that punishment all so that I could live and have life. We do not have some high priest who comes, you know, who, just, who must come in and does not know where we've been or what we've gone through. We have a high priest who's been tempted in every way like we are. He actually understands. He understands. And yet he didn't sin. He came to bring lost people into a right relationship with a holy and righteous God. Do you believe this? So if you're in Christ, he is the salvation that you have trusted in. By the way, the name of Jesus literally is the salvation of God. The salvation of God. Isn't that a coinky dink? It's the salvation of God. He is the one. Now, what we're called to do, oh dear saints, if you're here and you know Christ is following obedience, 
follow his will, follow his way, follow his word, be led by his spirit, and trust him in that. If you're here and you do not know Christ, you've got a different problem. Now, you may know all about Christ up in your noggin, but something hasn't happened in the root of your soul. You must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be born of his spirit. He puts a new spirit in you and he causes you to repent and believe. He calls and he saves. Just repent and believe the gospel. Turn from sin and trust in him. So, trust him who is the arm. The second truth is not going to be that different from the first truth. It's trust in him who took your place. We've already talked a little bit about this, but let's look at Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. But who is he? It is Christ who was wounded for our transgressions. It was Christ who was crushed for our iniquities, bruised for our iniquities. It is Christ, it is Christ, it is Christ. What are transgressions? They're sins. Some people say that those are transgressions that we, uh, we commit that uh, we do not realize we're committing. But guys, it's still sin. So Jesus dies for not only the unintentional sin, but he dies for the intentional sin. We must look to Christ. Sins are the sins you commit willingly, uh, the, the sins that you commit willingly with intent in your heart. Guys, sin is disobedience. Sin, it goes against his word. And we could go through the good person test from the Ten Commandments. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen all those? If you say yes to any of them, you are guilty of breaking all of them. But if you break one, you broke them all, James tells us. So think about that. If you lie, you're worthy of death. And you go, oh no. Well, yeah. But isn't it awesome that we have a gracious and merciful priest that has taken our place and we can trust in him. But we must turn from our sin. Someone had to die. If you, you know, when you, when you think through this, it's by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. Now, I know there are people that say, oh, we should not have any sickness anymore. Heresy. Because if anyone had enough faith to, to be healed from the thorn in his flesh, it would have been Paul. I cried out to the Lord three times to remove this thorn in my flesh. And God's response was, my grace is sufficient for you. Then Paul said, fine then. I'll glorify you in my weakness. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Or, you know, they say, you, you know, all Christians should have a life, a long life, long life. And that's a question I, I really, really struggled with when I, when I heard some heretics say that. I'm sorry, some guys say that. What about Jesus? The most righteous man that ever walked the earth, the God man, and he died at 33. Long life? Hmm. I, I, maybe let, let me just pull back because I, I don't want to get caught up in, in chasing that rabbit. So someone had to take our place. Someone had to die. If we would have died for our sin, we'd still be dead and condemned. This is why we needed the God man. 
We needed Christ to die, the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But what I love is, is the motive behind it all. Okay, 1 John 4.10 says this, Herein is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And I know propitiation is a great word and everyone's like, yes, propitiation, substitute. He is the one who took on the wrath of God. Why did he have to take our place? I think verse six tells us, look at verse six. It says, Isaiah 53, six says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, listen, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord poured on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord then poured out his wrath upon his son. This is what he's done. Okay, so when, when, when we do what is right in our own eyes, here's my question, are we doing what is right in his? Because all we like sheep have gone straight. How many is all? Oh yeah, that's all. That's right. That's that everyone thing, right? And so the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Look at verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought, brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He was crushed. He was beaten. He was flogged 39 times, minus one. And then he had to carry his cross. And then he dies this horrible death. But he said nothing as he took our place. He said nothing as he was taken, the punishment meant for sinners. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew, who knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus becomes guilty. And we become innocent. Guys, that equation should not work. That equation doesn't make sense in our human understanding. But the guilty ones get declared innocent because the innocent one was declared guilty. For our sin. For our sin. And, and again, just for fun, you know, it, it, it says... It, it, you know, when you look at this, look at Isaiah 53, 5. I know I'm jumping backwards a little bit. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. He died so that we would have life. Life. He would have life. 53, 9 says, And he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He made his, his grave with the wicked. He was counted as the wicked one. But what? He died a, the death of a criminal. Of the worst of criminals, it seems. He died this violent death. He was buried, though. And anyone remember where he was buried? In the grave of Joseph of Arimathea a very rich man who had a grave cut out for himself and gives it to Christ. Now listen to that verse again. 
and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. I believe that that might be a pointed forward. Don't quote me on this. I'm not coming up with a new theology. I'm just saying. So fast forward to Joseph Arimathea, Arimathea who gave up his tomb for Jesus. Then Philippians 2.8. Listen, this is awesome. This suffering servant. Listen. And he being found in fashion as a man. Jesus who put on human flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus the God man. Jesus God incarnate. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto, the, unto death, unto the point of death, and even this death on the cross. The crucifixion that was intended for the worst of sinners has brought hope for the saints who trust in him. The Jews accused Jesus of blasphemy, didn't they? They, he, he, he equated himself with God. Anyone know what the punishment for blasphemy is? It is stoning. I know. That boggles your mind, right? That's what it says. Leviticus 26, 16, 24, 16 says, And he has blasphemed. He that blasphemed the name of the Lord. He shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation shall surely stone him. I don't have to read the rest. Think about it. All the congregation of God should stone him. What did they do with him again? They put him on a tree. So if blasphemy was to stoning, why did they crucify him? I believe it is to fulfill scripture. How do I know? Deuteronomy 21, 22 says this. This is the fulfillment of scripture. And if a man had committed a sin worthy of death, he is to be put to death. And listen, thou hang him on a tree. Then verse 23, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but shall, thou shalt in any ways bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. Jesus was cursed of God, not for his sin, but for our sin. But isn't it funny in that verse, I just realized it. When you think about it, his body shall not lay on the tree all night. Guys, what did they do with the body of Jesus after he died? They took him down and they buried him. Because he couldn't stay. Just saying. I thought that was a neat little um, tidbit. Now, the passage that Pastor Jim read. And thank you for reading that wherever you are. There you are. Okay. This is Galatians 3.13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Listen, being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Jesus was cursed for us. In crucifying Jesus, the shedding of his blood, this payment, this pain, the curse for us, we have salvation from him when we turn to him and repent to faith. But guys, it fulfilled scripture. Guys, we should still be saying, thus saith the Lord. We should still be saying, it is written. Because it is written. And then another passage that might help us to see this is uh, Psalm 22, verse 16. For dogs have compassed me, and the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. Listen, pay attention. Psalm 22, 16, listen to the end. They pierced my hands and my feet. 
900 years before Christ. Now, I believe David was writing this for his own heart and his own life and what was going on with him. But he was, it's a dual fulfillment. This is fulfilled in Christ. He is pierced. Pierced in his hands and his feet. 900 years foretells Christ. If you live for Christ, you are to die to yourself. Okay? Because we are called to be a living sacrifice, both holy and acceptable to God. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, in the view of God's mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or reasonable act of worship. Okay? So, guys, if you're in Christ and you have trusted in this mighty arm that saves, that has taken your place, then you are called to live for his glory. If you're here and you do not know Christ and you think God's going to let sin into heaven, you have not been reading the right book. If you think God will allow sin in his presence, you are greatly mistaken and in need of repentance. So, trust in this arm of the Lord. Trust in the arm of the Lord that saved from sin. And the last one is going to be similar to the first two. Trust in him who paid the penalty in full. Paid the penalty in full. That is awesome. So, Isaiah 53, 10. By the way, this is the shorter, uh, the shorter uh, truth. Isaiah 53, 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, thou shalt see his seed, he shall see his seed, and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It pleased the Father to bruise him. How do you know it's the Father? Because it says, he shall see his seed. That is an offspring. Okay? So it pleased the Father to bruise him. It pleased the Father to crush him. It pleased the Father to put his son to grief. It pleased the Father to make his son an offering for sin. The right offering for sin. And God will see his seed, prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. By the way, uh, 5511 of Isaiah tells us his word will not come back void or empty and it will accomplish the very thing God sends it to do. And that's exactly what Christ has done. The sacrifice of his son, who willingly took our place, our punishment, will, this, it will be this one that is blessed. And the pleasure of Jehovah will prosper in his hand. Hebrews 12, 2 said this, Looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, I know some versions say the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy sat before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Okay, I'm stopping. Okay, so God punished his son with the punishment meant for you and I. He crushed his son, poured out the full cup of his burning hot anger on him so it would not have to be poured out on you. 53.11 says, he shall see. Now, this is really cool. He shall see the travail of his soul. Or I think the ESV says, he shall see the suffering of his soul. And listen, what does it say next? And shall be satisfied. Payment in full. It is finished. To die. It is finished. It's done. Paid in full. 
God saw the sacrifice, the breaking of his son, and is satisfied. All of his burning hot anger that was meant for sinners and poured out on Jesus, satisfied, done, paid in full. Innocent, innocent one becomes guilty. Jesus was counted as a sinner so we could be counted as saints if we trust Christ. It's, it's amazing to me. He becomes our wickedness and we become his righteousness. Guys, that should excite our hearts. Philippians 2.9 Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. God has exalted Jesus, given him the name that is above every name so that everyone, every knee, in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He was counted as a transgressor. He was pierced and hung on a tree between two sinners. Even the thief understood that Jesus was innocent. By the way, even Pilate understood Jesus was innocent. He found no fault in him. And so that thief that saw that Jesus was innocent said to him, remember me when you get into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today I tell you the truth, you'll be with me in paradise. So even the, even the thief understood that Jesus was innocent and rebuked the other thief. You know, if you both evermore, but if not, the alternative is not good. If you die in your rebellion, this is what it says in John 3.36. I'm landing the plane right here. He that believes in the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. That is a hard verse. Those who believe, you have life. You'll see it. Those who don't believe, you will not see life. In fact, you'll see the opposite of life. You'll see death remaining on you forever. The wrath of God poured on you forever. That is what the text says. It abides. Present tense, continual. So here's my question. If you do not know Christ, what hope do you have? If you die in your rebellion, what hope do you have? If you have to face the wrath of God, what hope do you have? There's only hope for a look at the Savior in life more abundant and free. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Won't you trust Christ, this mighty armor of God? This Christ who took your place, he took your wrath. That God poured out upon him all his anger so he wouldn't have to pour it out on you. Won't you look to Christ? And just to end on the same way we started in Colossians 1.14. Saints, let this encourage you. Those of you who do not know Christ, let this encourage you to look to Christ. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Father, will you grant mercy unto us today as we continue in worship? Let Christ be exalted, your name be praised and honored and adored. Father, that you would be exalted above measure. Father, that you would help us today to realize that he, Jesus, has not only risen indeed, but is at the right hand of your throne interceding for us. Would you bless us today? In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for worshiping with us. We're going to end with um, It Was Finished. It's new.